Open your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Name of the message is Words of Comfort. Words of Comfort. John chapter 14. We'll read verses 1 to 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, in the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, Truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask me anything in my name, I will do it. In our text here before us, Our Lord is here comforting his disciples. He's here comforting his disciples. He's preparing them for the time of his departure, for the time of his death. And he, after this, in this, as well as in this chapter, describes the person and work of God the Holy Spirit. And I pray that God the Holy Spirit will illuminate the scriptures for us today. And that through the words that we look at, the words of our Savior, that he'll comfort your souls. That he'll comfort your souls. And that he'll teach us more and more about our wonderful, merciful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, while we sit at his feet. Each time we hear a gospel message or read the scriptures, we're sitting at the Lord's feet, beloved. We're sitting at his feet. Oh, 
And we pray the Holy Spirit will make the words comforting to us, don't we? Comforting. We look at these words. These are comforting words to, to God's disciples. The scriptures declare over in John 6.63, it says this, It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you are spirit, and they are life. That's why we pray all the time that God the Holy Spirit would illuminate the scriptures and teach us. Because he is the guide. He guides us into all truth, beloved. He teaches us through the word of God. He's the great comforter. And we pray then that we who are the people of God will be taught of God the Holy Spirit today and be given comfort to face the oncoming days because we don't know what's coming, do we? But oh, the Lord does. We know who holds tomorrow. Now again, the setting of this discourse was that our Lord was close to the moment of his departure. He was close to the moment of his death. And this, as one commentator says, was one of the last quiet, uninterrupted meetings that he'd have with his saints. He knew that he should ever enjoy with his few faithful disciples before his sufferings and death. This was a time when he could he could just be with them. And take note, turn over one chapter to, to verse, or chapter 13, I'm sorry. Take note that this discourse with his disciples happened after Judas had left to betray him. After Judas had left to betray him. That's important. Look at John 13, verses 26 to 30. Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it, and when he dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, verse 27. And after the, sop entered, after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, Buy these things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, receiving the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. So our Lord, in this discourse in John 14, is talking to his true disciples. To his sheep. To those who were given to him by the Father in eternity. And remember, he's standing on the threshold of eternity, beloved with his mind full of the glories opening before him, that he would return to the Father, that he would return to the glory that he had before he came. And he's like a dying father in the midst of his family. He speaks words of comfort and love to his disciples. Look at how he addresses his beloved ones. And remember, these are some of his sheep that were given to him from before the foundation of the world. And look at the tenderness in which he addresses them. And how comforting these words are. He says to them, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. The one speaking to them 
the one uttering these words, is God incarnate in the flesh. The one saying these words, let not your heart be troubled, is the ancient of days, incarnate in the flesh. So what everlasting support we as believers have, what everlasting support we as believers can find right here, the everlasting one, the ancient of days, says to his people, let not your hearts be troubled. Now, we live in a world where something seems like every day there's new trouble, isn't there? <laughs> These words still ring true today, beloved. Let not your hearts be troubled. Think of this again. The one who is equal with God the Father, the one who is equal with God the Holy Spirit, the Son of God, God incarnate in the flesh, speaks these comforting words to his people. The very one who is our security, the very one who is our redeemer, the very one who is our defense, the very one who has promised to never leave us nor forsake us, speaks these comforting words. And remember, he's our security, he's our refuge during the hard times of life, and during the good times of life. And he speaks these words to his disciples, and, and, and they're spoken to us in that sense too, aren't they? Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. They're for our learning, aren't they? These words were spoken for our learning too. All oh, that we might take these and hold on to these. And what tenderness the Lord Jesus speaks to his people with these words. What tenderness is spoken here. And how this can warm every born-again, blood-washed saint's heart. Because we know he speaks with this tenderness to all of us. To all of us. How? Through the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Which we know is all about him. All about him. In chapter 13, our Lord had washed the disciples' feet, showing them in action his condescending love. His love for them was manifested. His condescending love was manifested in that deed. And here he brings forth, in, verse, in chapter 14, he brings forth that we will see the love which he has for his people. And we will see it in glory one day. And remember that this love that God has for his people, this tenderness that God has for his people, is unchanging. It's eternal. Just like he is. Just like he is. And we see in this text the words of affection. These are words of affection, love. These are words of assurance. And we'll see that all through these words. That he speaks to his, his true disciples. Remember again, Judas Iscariot is left. He's talking to true believers. And what, when we see what he, how he speaks to them, oh, what wondrous love is this, oh my soul, my soul. This love that Christ has for his people is so wondrous. So absolutely wondrous. Note again in 
In verse 1, our Lord tells his disciples not to be troubled. He brings forth his equality with God. You believe in God, believe also in me. He's bringing forth his equality with God, beloved, because he's God incarnate in the flesh. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, because he is God. Because he is God. And we know that God's love for his people is an everlasting love, an unchanging love, an unceasing love. People in this world say they fall in and out of love all the time. God doesn't fall in and out of love with his people, beloved. Isn't that wonderful? That's absolutely wonderful. His love for us is an absolute, unceasing love. It will never change. Never. It's an everlasting love. And he tells his people here, and we know this is for all God's blood-bought people, let not your heart be troubled. Oh, Lord, help my unbelief. So with you too? Oh, we cry with Peter, don't we? Lord, help my mother. Let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. He who is God is the object of our faith, beloved. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is God incarnate in the flesh. He who is God ever watches over us. No matter what circumstance you are in as a believer in this life. He's ever watching over you. Even when times we feel like he's withdrawn from us, he hasn't. (laughs) He's ever watching over us, beloved. He's ever watchful over us. He's the keeper of our souls. As I mentioned this morning in Sunday school, what would happen if we were left to ourselves? We'd be gone. But he's the keeper of our souls too, beloved. He that begun a good work in us so completed. Hey, it's it's amazing. Oh my. And he who is God, remember this. He who is God has redeemed us. We are purchased by his blood. Let not your heart be troubled. We're purchased by his blood. We're redeemed by the blood of the God man. And he who is God is the author, he's the beginner. And he is the finisher of our faith. And he who is God, beloved, will take us to glory. When we breathe our last breath here, we'll be in the presence of the Lord. Glorious. And what's his name? His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. God incarnate in the flesh. And he says these words, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Note in the next two verses how the absolute assurance the believer has to be with Christ when we die. And think of how intimately the Lord regards our estate, beloved. He truly is a shepherd who watches over his sheep. 
He's ever caring for His sheep. Ever watchful over them. Taking them safely home after they've been out in the pasture. And this world is like a pasture and then we're taken home to be with the Lord forever. Forever. Look at verses 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Brother Henry Mahan says that in my Father's house are many mansions. That just shows you the how it, it's that, that there's, there's, there's room for, for all the people of God. <laughs> if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And then look at down to verse 19 of this chapter. Eternal life is bound up in Christ, beloved. It's bound up in Him. So, so He tells the disciples, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And then look at verse 19. We see eternal life is bound up in Christ. And because He lives, we live. Because he arose from the grave, we're rise to glory. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And one day, we'll be with him in glory. Look at verse 19. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall, also, ye shall live also. Now, how do we see him? With spiritual eyes. The eyes of faith. Which is a gift from God. We see him, don't we? We look to him. And then it says, it says right there, ye shall live also. Oh, we live in Christ, don't we? But we'll breathe our last breath here, but we'll be in eternity with, with, with the Lord forever. Because He lives, we shall live also. Turn, if you would, to 1 John chapter 3. In light of this wonderful topic here, turn to 1 John chapter 3. We'll just look at the first two verses here. Marvel at the words of these verses here. And, and remember, he's telling us here in, in chapter 14, he goes to prepare a place for us and that where I am, ye may be also. Look at this in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Oh, what, what manner of love. It's an everlasting love. It's an unchanging love. It's an unceasing love that God the Father has for his people. Behold, what manner of love. Oh, my is a love like no love in this world. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. But Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Beloved, the moment we breathe our last breath here on earth, every single blood-bought, born-again believer, the moment we breathe our last breath here on earth, we see the Lord Jesus Christ in all His glory. Oh, it's wonderful. It's all, and it's all because of His mercy and His grace. Because it pleased God to save us. Oh, it's wondrous. It's absolutely wondrous. Let's go back to John chapter 14 with that in mind now. And take note here in verses 2 and 3 that we go to a prepared place, beloved. And the people of God we know are a prepared people, aren't we? 
were made fit, were qualified for heaven through Christ. Clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And then we're conformed to the image of Christ. So we're a prepared people going to a prepared place. And this is wondrous, comforting truth. Now we know we're but sinners, don't we? We struggle with sin all the time. We don't even see our own growth in grace. Oh, but we're being conformed to the image of Christ. Beloved, we're, we're, this is amazing. Look at this. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So there's a prepared place for God's people. It's in glory. And it's to be with Him forever. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Note also that it is Christ who has prepared this place. He's God. And it's Christ who will bring us there to be with him for eternity. He doesn't say, well, if you pray a prayer and you walk an aisle or you do this and that or you join the church or you get baptized, he doesn't say that, does it? Now, being baptized is a good thing. I'm not saying that, but it doesn't save us. It's an outward um, it's, an, it's an outward show of an inward conversion. We're, we're professing Christ. But it's God who brings us there. It's God who brings us there. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. So we can, we can just glean from, from these words, even here, salvations of the Lord. It's all his doing. He saves us. He's the author of, of our salvation. <coughs> he, well, we're on this earth and pilgrimaging through this world. He keeps us, beloved. And he takes us home to glory to be with him. This is wondrous. This is absolutely wondrous. And we know that it was for their everlasting welfare and ours that the Lord must go to the cross. So he's telling them these words before he's going to go to the cross of Calvary. Before he's going to die for the sins of his people. The sinless one. The spotless one. The perfect spotless Lamb of God. He's telling them these words. And he knows he must go to the cross. He must go to the cross to redeem his people from their sins. He must. Otherwise, none of us would be saved. You ever think of that? If, if Christ hadn't went to the cross, not one of us who are saved would be saved if he hadn't done what he did for us. Praise God for his everlasting plan and purpose, eh? And that he plans, he, salva- he, he, the God planned out salvation in Christ and that it was executed by God himself. And that that Christ who is God came to this world to die upon the cross for us, for our sins. And he must go to the cross and die that the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, would come also. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. We'll read verses 4 to 15 here. But these things have I told you that 
when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. Verse 4. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me. He's going back to glory. He's going back to glory. And none of you asketh me whither thou goest, or whither goest thou. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. Oh, it's good for you that I go away. He's going to go to the cross and die for their sins. Do you see here our our Lord is a willing sacrifice? He's willing to go to the cross. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. See, God will never leave his people without him. we, We have God with us all the time. Remember, he promised to his people. God don't lie. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye, ye shall see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Now think of this. Think of how we used to think before the Lord saved. Sin didn't bother us. We didn't think about the judgment of God on our sins, did we? No, we just plowed forward in life. But oh, now. Now we, we see our sin for what it is. We've sinned against God. And God's law and justice had a, had a rightful claim upon us. But praise be to God, the Lord Jesus Christ died in the place of his people. Satisfying the justice and law of God. And we won't face the judgment, we who believe, because Christ faced the wrath and justice of God in our place as our substitute. Again, oh, what wondrous love is this. Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. He says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. How about when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and show it unto you. Let's go back to our text in John 14. And take note then of what our Lord declares in verse 3 of how he must return to glory to prepare a place for him for his disciples. But he promises he'll come again. He promises he'll come again. And whatever lasting love is brought forth here, what love the Son has for his bride, what love he has for those he's purchased with his own precious blood, he goes and prepares a place for her, for the church. Because... These disciples he's talking to is part of the bride of Christ. He goes and prepares a place for his bride and then comes to receive her to himself forevermore. Look at verses 2 and 3 again. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now that's, every believer can take a hold of that. (laughs) I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Note he brings forth to the disciples who had recently heard that one of them would betray him and that they all would be offended because of him. And they'd been told that he would go where they could not come at that time. Peter had been told that he would deny Christ. So all these things would be lying heavily on their minds. How do we know that it's so? Well, our Master even said in verse 6 of chapter 16, which we looked at, but but because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. They were weighing heavy on them. They're sinners just like we are. Just like we are. They get discouraged about things just like we do. But note the Lord always brings them back to looking upon Him. That's why Paul says in Colossians, set your mind on things above. Keep your mind and your eyes on Christ, beloved. I know when I get in trouble is when I start looking at circumstances and not looking to Christ. I'm, I'm being honest. That's how it happens. I've got to keep my eyes on Christ, just like you all do too. <laughs> oh my. They're sinners just like we are. But the Lord brings them back to look to themselves and speaks these comforting words that we're looking at today to them. And how they be encouraged to know that this separation that they have from Christ is not a permanent separation. They loved the Master. They loved Him. And He loved them. And, and how encouraging it would be, how uplifting it would be for them to know that, that, that this is not a permanent separation, that they would have be in His presence again one day. And then He tells them they'd be with Him forever. And what precious words these would be to the disciples who are the bride of Christ. Now it was a custom with the Jews in their marriages when all things were prepared and made ready for the reception of the bride that the husband himself goes to his bride's house to fetch her. To bring her home. To bring her home. He does not trust her care to any other person to bring them. Bring her home. Jesus, therefore, our bridegroom, prepares a place for us, beloved. And then he takes us home. And then he takes us home. And his love is manifested in this way. Jesus, our bridegroom, will not be outdone in the acts of love to his spouse, to his bride, but in the marriage his father hath made for his son with his church. He, he will himself come and bring her home to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the purpose of our Lord Jesus Christ coming into this world, dying on the cross and ascending to the Father was to bring forth a perfect, permanent reunion with all of his elect, with his blood-bought bride in glory. That we may ever be with him forever. Turn, if you would, to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. What a picture we have brought forth here in Revelation 19. We'll read verse 6 to 9. and What a picture. 
Revelation 19, verses 6 to 9. And I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude, and the voice of many waters, and the voice of mighty thunder, and saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. He reigns, beloved. He reigns. If anyone ever has doubt that the Lord reigns, he reigns right there. Look at that. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And it was, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. You know what that is, beloved? <laughs> That's the righteousness of Christ. That's the righteousness of Christ. That's what. That's the wedding garment, beloved. Oh my! Clean and white. Why? Oh, we're undefiled and holy and blameless in the sight of God, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, beloved. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints, and we know that our the only righteousness that we have is with is is, is in and through Christ. It's the righteousness of Christ, beloved. It's, that's, and he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. Oh, think of that. Think of that, the things we go through in this life as believers. Look at these marvelous words. Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Oh, praise his name if he saved you. Give him all the glory because you're a blessed person. You're a blessed person. Let's go back to our text in John 14. We'll read the first four verses again. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, oh, this is wonderful, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Our Lord is bringing forth that even though he will be absent from them in the body for a short time, he will ever be with them because he's God. He's God. He's always defending again, watching, caring, and providing for His people. Always. Always. And remember what He speaks to His disciples a little further down in this chapter. Look at verses 16 to 18. And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that ye may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. But ye know Him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now remember who's speaking this. God incarnate in the flesh. He says, I'll not leave you comfortless. And he hasn't, has he? He hasn't. Oh my. He hasn't, beloved. So we see that to the disciples' outward appearance, he was gone from them He'd be gone from them going into heaven, and yet he being God is ever with them. Ever with them. Always with them. The scriptures declare even unto the end of the world. Do you know this truth is spoken of both in the Old Testament and in the New? Turn, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10. And then put your finger in Matthew 28. It's spoken of both in the Old Testament and the New, that God will ever be with us. Ever. 
and consider these verses in light of what we're reading here. When the Lord said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Isaiah 41.10, fear, fear thou not, for I am with thee. I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Christ is our righteousness. He's the one who upholds us, isn't he? Let's read that verse again. This is just wondrous. Fear thou not. So, remember, let not your heart be troubled. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. This is God saying this to his people. Be not dismayed, for I, thy God, I will strengthen thee. And we are weak, aren't we? We're weak. Oh, we get shown we're weak all the time, beloved. All the time. But look what he says. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. We're a needy people. And look, he says, I'll help you. Yea, I love this. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. He's the one who keeps us and holds us, beloved. God himself does this. Now turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 28. Is it no wonder the Lord said, let not your heart be troubled? You believe in me? Believe also in, or you believe in God? Believe also in me? It, you see, but, but as I said earlier, Lord, help my unbelief. Oh, my. Look at this in Matthew chapter 28. We'll read verses 18 to 20. <coughs> Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Now that that means what it says. Christ has all power. He's God. God's almighty, right? Therefore, Christ, who's God in the flesh, he's almighty. He has all power, beloved. That's our Savior saying this. That's our Redeemer saying this. He says... All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So we, we, we preach and proclaim the gospel. It goes forth, don't we? And it goes forth with power, by the power of God. All for his glory and honor and praise. And God does the saving. Yeah. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to deserve all things whatsoever I have commanded. And lo, look at this. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So if we ever have any doubt that the Lord's not with or if we ever doubt that the Lord's with us, sometimes trials come and sometimes things pop up in our lives and it's just oh my. He's ever with us. He'll never leave his people. Never. And and how comforting this is. And and, and remember what he what he's told the disciples, let not your heart be troubled. Why? Because I'm always going to be with you. Always. Forever. Watching over you. Taking care of you. Guiding you. Directing you. He told them he's going to the Father's house. He's returning to glory, beloved. Now, he told them this many times before. He's bringing this forward. Look at Look at the verse 4. He brings this forth. And whither I go, you know. In the way, you know. He's, he told them many times before who he was. 
Though they heard him speak often of these things, and, and they knew him to speak the truth, yet their knowledge was imperfect, beloved. Just like ours is. <laughs> uh, they were filled with anxiety and questions and doubts. And we see Thomas right away speaking. He, we don't know if he's speaking for himself or for them, but he says, Lord, we know not. Well, it looks like he's speaking for all. He's, he's, he's took upon himself to speak for all. Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And look at verses, John 14, verses 4 to 7 here. We'll see Thomas's comment and note our Lord's reply. The Lord says, And whither I go you know, and in the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And, and, and note the tenderness, and note the, note the love that's brought forth here. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. What comforting words we see here in our Lord's response. Our Lord's response to Thomas. Our Lord here before us in verse 6 proclaims that salvation is in himself. And he does this very plainly. He's not using multi-syllable words, is he? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He speaks very plainly, doesn't he? Very clear. So, according to this verse here, all those other, and we know this to be true, all those other supposed ways to God are false ways. And remember who's speaking these words. Remember who's speaking these words. It's God incarnate in the flesh. It's the only way to salvation. It's the only way to the Father who's speaking these words, the Lord Jesus Christ. And He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. Our Lord's response to, to Thomas is one of the great I am's. Do you know that? It's one of the great I am's of John's gospel. In John 6.48, Christ proclaims, I am the bread of life. In John 8.12, Christ proclaims, I am the light of the world. In John 10.9, he says, I am the door. In John 10.11, he says, I am the good shepherd. In John 11.25, he proclaims, I am the resurrection and the life. Here in John 14, 6, he proclaims, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John 15, 1, he proclaims, I am the true vine. He's saying that salvation is only in him. Very plainly with those words. And he uses things that we can understand. We eat bread to live. 
How many doors do we walk through in a day to go to somewhere? Or to get somewhere? He's the way, the truth, and the life. He says it here. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way to the Father. There's only one way to glory. And that's Christ and Christ alone. All other ways that men say are false ways. Buddha, Muhammad, Mary, salvation through a church or baptism or by your works. All false ways. There's only one true way. Christ and Christ alone. And the believer looks to him by faith. Looks to the one who has completed our salvation. Looks to the one who is, who is the only sacrifice that God will accept. And he says, I am the way. Singular. The truth. Singular. And the life. Singular. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So what, what words of comfort these would be to the disciples. What words of comfort they are to you and I who believe. <laughs> Even looking at them today. And we who, who trust our eternal souls to Him. How this is comforting. Oh, God, God, our, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, does not merely show us the way by example. He's not merely a, a prophet to teach us the way, nor does he merely guide us in the way. No, he is the way. He is the only way to the Father. He's God incarnate in the flesh. And he was sent by the Father. He was sent by the Father. And in Christ, all divine blessings flow to the people of God. He alone is our acceptance with God. We have no acceptance with God outside of Christ. None. None. He alone is our righteousness. And the believer is clothed in the perfect Spotless righteousness of Christ. And he alone is our high priest. He alone is our sin offering. And by his holy, holy life, he honored the law and justice of God in our place. That should make our hearts sing. That should make our hearts sing. By his death, he enabled God to be just and justify of those who believe on him. Then he says he's the truth. Beloved, he's truth incarnate. He's truth incarnate. He's the God-man. He's fully God and fully man. He's the sum and substance of all truth, beloved. The law and the Gospels, or the law and the Scriptures, they, they all testify of him, don't they? The Gospels testify of him. The Scriptures testify of him. All the Old Testament types and shadows pictured him. Pictured him. Pilate asks, what is truth? Our Lord answers here, I am the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. 
So again, what comfort this brings the disciples and brings God's people today. Knowing that our Lord is the way, the truth, and the life. And it says here, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's life, beloved. He's eternal life for his people. His life is in himself. He's the source and giver of eternal life for his people. And he's the source and giver of life for all things visible and invisible. He's the light of the world. And he became a man, came to this world, the world that he created. The world that he created by the word of his power that he might redeem his chosen people. That he might redeem those who were given to him by the Father in eternity. And that they might be one day with him forever. Forever. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only way of access to God the Father. It's very clear in this verse. And he alone is the Savior of sinners. He alone is the hope of his people. Is he your hope? He's my only hope. The scriptures declare this. Neither is there salvation in any other. Remember, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And the scripture declares, neither is there salvation in any other. There is no salvation outside of Christ, no matter what people say. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Glory and honor and praise to our great God and Savior. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time that we've been able to have together. Time that we've been able to spend looking in thy word, O Lord. And what words of comfort we see here. And oh, how you comfort your people, Lord Jesus. You tell us, let not your heart be troubled. O Lord, help us. Help us just to rest and trust in thee, O Lord. We know that one day, when we breathe our last breath, we'll be with you in glory forever. And oh, what a glorious day that'll be. Glory to your name. May we think upon these things that we've heard this week, O oh Lord. I love you and praise you in Jesus' name.